Welcome everybody to Run Jump Stomp, your thoughts on gaming. If you want to be part of the conversation, it is incredibly easy to do so. Just grab your smartphone and download the Anchor app. Once you're there, search for Run Jump Stomp, hit the star, hit that voice message button, send me a message, and I will play it on the show. With that being said, let's start off with our very first caller of the day. Hey everyone, last week I was talking about how EA has the license uh, locked down for Star Wars and only they are allowed to make games for PC and console and I was kind of bemoaning that and I put out a hypothetical. If that weren't the case, what uh, games, what type of Star Wars games would you like to see? What platforms would you want to see them on? And of course, who would you want to develop them? And I've got a couple of people called in and answered, so thank you guys very much for that. I'm going to let those calls follow. And then I've got a couple of questions that uh, people asked me, which I will respond to. And at the end of the show, I'm going to ask another question of you and see if you guys can call in and let me know what you think. So stick around. Hi, Bill. This is Elliot from St. Louis. I'd like to see a new Knights of the Old Republic on the Switch. I played the first one on Xbox back in 2003 for many hours, and I revisited again in college, putting another 100 hours or so into it. Uh, releasing a new KOTOR would be a nice way for EA to get back on track quickly and to try and recover from the Battlefront issues that they've had. I'd even take an HD remaster of the first one, which seems to be a popular thing to do nowadays on Switch. I'm not a PC gamer, and I'm definitely not a fan of MMOs like the last few uh, Knights of the Old Republic games, and so I'd love to see them go back to their RPG storytelling roots of the first one. Thank you. Hi, Bill. Uh, to answer your question from last episode, I would love to see a Star Wars game similar to Starlink Battle for Atlas. I would love to be able to choose my character and have a specific ship for that pilot and then travel to different planets and star systems and ships while also exploring those areas and completing missions as well. Starlink is a beautiful looking game so I guess I would have Ubisoft develop that game as well. I'm a huge Star Wars fan and I agree I would love to see more games available on all consoles and from a variety of developers. Thanks for the question. Take care. Hey Bill, Mikey B. Playing here, just answering your question about what Star Wars game I would like to see. I want to see a return of the Rogue Squadron series. Rogue Squadron, Rogue Leader, and then I think Rebel Strike was the third one. Love those games. There was so much to do. In my opinion, I'm going to light the Nintendo community on fire. I liked it way more than Star Fox. Way more, in my opinion. There's so much to do. I'm not much of an achievement hunter, but somehow seeing a silver medal would just make me so sad. I had to go back and see what the requirements for Gold War were, and I would play and play that game. Oh my goodness, just love that game. I'd love to see modernized concepts and a return of that game. Just really cleaned up, really polished. Oh my goodness, it'd be great. Thanks. Hey, Run Jump Stomp. In the last episode of Run Jump Stomp, the Star Wars episode to be specific, you talked about inflation and the prices of video games over time, how they've gotten higher. 
I was wondering what your max price would be when it comes to uh, a game for this generation consoles. As of now, $60 seems to be that uh, acceptable price, but then we have special editions that are $100. And then we also have freemium games that go from zero to $100 of in-app content. So I wonder what the new standard will be 10 years from now. Are game, do you think games, of course with inflation, but do you think games are always going to try to stay $60? Or do you think games will get so expensive that we're going to need to only buy one a year because they're $100? Thanks. It's a very interesting question. I suppose the maximum that I would spend on a game depends on the game. But let's say it is... Um, I. Let's say that it is the game that I've been wanting for years. It's it's the perfect game for me. It was designed for Bill. It was designed for me to play. Like the developer came to my house and asked me what I wanted, and I told him exactly what I wanted. And then they went out and they made it. And I, every time I look at a YouTube video of it, I'm like, oh, man, I've got to get that game. I can't wait till it comes out. And then it launches that maximum price. Um, if we're talking about base game, then I think probably 60 bucks. Uh, I think that that is a good and fair price for games right now. However, I have spent more than that by buying games that have extra DLC added, uh, like Smash Brothers. I bought the Fighters Pack, so uh, I spent almost $100 on Smash Brothers. And I, that doesn't really bother me because I know that I'm going to get a lot of playtime out of it. But if we're just talking about a uh, just like a base game, no DLC, I think $60 is kind of the sweet spot. And it wasn't always $60. I mean, that that number has gone up over time. It has not kept up with inflation, though. The price that I pay now is much cheaper if you adjust for inflation uh, compared to the price that I paid for, you know, when I was in high school, um, that those were much more expensive games. And, you know, as a high schooler who had a job working in a video game store, I was very lucky. I was able to take games home and try them out. And they wanted us to do that so that we could talk about them with the customer and explain what this game is like. So I didn't have to worry about that so much when I was in high school. Now, when I was in college, I had a different job, and I really didn't have much money. But at that time, I was uh, completely absorbed into playing uh, massively multiplayer games. So these massively multiplayer games soaked up all my time. I didn't get time to play other stuff because you know I was either too busy playing Ultima Online um, or EverQuest or World of Warcraft, like those games really absorbed me so much. And if, if you asked me how much money I have spent on World of Warcraft over the, over the years, it would be an embarrassing amount. Um, I played that game and pretty much only that game for about seven years. Um, so I, I, I dumped a lot of money into expansions the base game, my subscription, uh, like it was, it was a lot of money that was spent on World of Warcraft, and yeah, it's a little bit at a time, but that does add up. So, 
asking me how much I would pay, I'm going to just assume that you mean going into the store, handing over the money, and having a complete finished game all at once. And for me, that price is $60. But another thought that I have is this idea of, you know, games getting more expensive, getting to $100 or something like that. And I think, yes, eventually that will happen. Inflation goes up. Um, The dollar becomes worth less. And as that happens, the prices of, of items increase. And having a game cost $100 right now seems crazy. But in 10 years or 15 years, I think that that'll be the equivalent of $60 today or something like that. Obviously, I'm not an economist. I'm just a nerd in, in, his, uh, in his nerd nest. But I think that uh, $100 for a game is definitely something that will happen. But I don't think it's going to be quite so detrimental. Like, I don't think $100 for a video game in the future is going to mean that you can only afford one. Uh, I think that that is slowly going to creep up over time. And as that happens, um, like people like a hundred dollars won't seem like as much money as it used to. Uh, I remember when you could, uh, you know, a long time back, back when I was a smoker, like you could buy a pack of cigarettes for, uh, like a buck fifty, like that was a long time ago. You could buy cigarettes for a buck fifty, and now they're like six or seven dollars a pack. When you're talking about video games, like a long time ago, they were thirty bucks. Now they're sixty bucks, and in the future, I'm sure that they're going to be a hundred bucks. Uh, but I thought that this was a great question, so I want to turn it around on you guys, the listeners. Uh, I want to know what you think. What what is the maximum price that you are willing to pay? for a video game uh and we're we'll just keep it in keep in mind the the limitations that i put on this question uh it's a it's a game where there's no extra things for you to buy afterwards it's a it's a complete package and it is the perfect game that has been made just for you how much would you pay use that anchor app and let me know Hey Bill, Mike B. playing here. If this question does not interest you, I will not be offended. But I've been very interested in pondering about what it would take for the gaming community to be more readily accepted, at least in United States culture. For example, you can go to any place where people work and talk about how much you watched football or how much you binged Netflix. Perfectly acceptable. But if you go to a place where adults work and say that you play video games... There's an instant stigma on you, I feel like, in most workplaces that are outside of the gaming industry. And I wonder how much the gaming community shoots themselves in the foot when, you know, all the people that harass Sakurai or when a reviewer writes a review kind of against a real popular game. It's just their opinion, but everyone gets so mad. Anyway... It's hard to talk about in just one minute, but what do you think it would take for the gaming community to be accepted? Thanks. This is a great idea. This is a great question. Um, I want to start with at the end of what you said, the idea that gamers kind of shoot themselves in the foot when it comes to uh, getting rid of the stigma that comes along with video games. I don't think that's true because while all of the things that you said happen, 
where someone writes a review that disagrees with the common um, agreement that everybody has that a, ga- a game is really good and you say it's really bad and everybody jumps on you. If you're not a video gamer, that stuff is outside your wheelhouse. You probably have no idea about that. The idea that people are harassing Sakurai, like these losers that are harassing Sakurai because they want him to do whatever it is that, that they want him to do, put Waluigi in in uh, Smash Brothers or whatever. Non-gamers, they don't know about that. They don't know who Sakurai is. They don't know who Waluigi is. They don't know what Smash Brothers is. They probably may have heard of Smash Brothers, but to them, it's all like the same thing. Just like if you were to start complaining about uh, somebody who is on a football team. Like, yes, I'm aware that there are different football teams. I couldn't tell you who's playing in the Super Bowl, although I know it's happening soon. Uh, but if you were to start mentioning uh, the players on those teams, I-, I wouldn't know who they are. That's the same thing as non-gamers not knowing who Sakurai is or that he's being harassed at all. So I don't really um, get that premise part of it, but the stigma that you are talking about is absolutely real. Um, And the only way for that to go away is for people who play video games to stop being embarrassed that they play video games. Um, You know, if, if you like something, then just like it. Who cares if somebody else approves of your choice of entertainment? Like... I got a friend, uh, he uh, is big into golf. He loves spending time playing golf. He spends a lot of money on golf. And he knows that I play video games. And quite often, if, uh, you know, over the weekend, you know, on Monday morning, I'll walk in and he'll be like, did you you spend all weekend playing video games? And I just kind of roll my eyes at him because, you know, did he spend all weekend playing golf? Well, maybe. But probably not. He probably did things other than playing golf, just like I did things other than playing video games. And as the people who grew up playing video games get older and older, this stigma is going to start going away. But the the number one thing that you have to, like, if you want this to happen, is just be okay with people looking down their nose at what you do for entertainment and like internally when somebody acts like that with me my internal thing I don't say this to him but my internal thing is god you're a douche because just because I play video games doesn't mean that that's the only thing that I'm able to do it's this it's this um stereotype that is really irritating but you just have to understand that 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 stigma is a temporary thing that's eventually going to go away maybe not before i retire but i don't think that my kids are going to have to deal with it i think that when my kids are my age like they're like people are not going to be acting the same way about it it like here, I'll give you an example. Um, I always forget her first name. The 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 representative from the Bronx 
in the in Congress, Congresswoman Cortez. I, I can't remember how to say her whole name. I think it's Alexandria something Cortez. Anyway, uh, she recently went to a uh, there was a, a video game player who was who was doing a marathon for charity. And she showed up and called in and talked about it. He was streaming this all on Twitch and talked about, um, you know, how important this charity was and stuff like that. And I think that that shows that, you know, we're not all just this, the, the stereotypical, that, that guy in South Park in your basement, you know, that kind of thing. You know, we, we do other stuff too. And, you know, the, the Washington Post streams on Twitch now. That's, that's an insane thing. It's becoming more and more acceptable. And over time, that stigma is just going to disappear. Great question, though. Thanks for calling in, man. Here's my final question to you guys for today's episode. Um, Resident Evil 2 uh, was just completely remade from the ground up. This is a game that originally came out on the PS1, and now it is here on the PS4 with modern graphics, the same story as before. I have not played it. But my question is, how many of you have played the original and are also going to be picking up the new one. This this idea of remakes. Now, I never played Resident Evil 2, but I'm very interested. I've been kind of itching to play a scary game ever since I played uh, Alien Isolation. I loved Alien Isolation. I had so much fun with it. And, and for the most part, I like scary stuff, but I don't like gory stuff. And I know... Resident Evil 2 is going to be super gory and gross and I'm, I'm going to have to if I want to have that scare because I want to play a scary game then I'm going to have to put up with the gore because it's it's too seldom that a video game maker will make something scary that's not also gross at the same time so I'm going to tolerate it or I'm not going to buy it right away because you know I've got Wargroove coming uh, out in a couple days and uh I just picked up Smite as well, uh, so I've got a lot to play, uh, and hopefully it goes on sale soon. It's not a multiplayer game, so there's no rush for me to get to Resident Evil 2, but Resident Evil 2 on the PS4 is definitely calling my name in its weird, raspy, zombie voice, and I think that I'm going to have to pick that up and play the hell out of it and be scared, and I'm looking forward to that. And my question is, for those of you who have played the original, are you going to pick up Resident Evil 4 and play through it again? And I also want to know why. Let me know. And yes, I realized that I said Resident Evil 4 before. I meant to say 2. So as many times as I said Resident Evil 4, I meant to say 2. All right. I'm going to shut up now. You guys, let me know. Use that Anchor app. Send me your ideas, send me your thoughts, send me your answers. Can't wait to hear from you guys. Bye-bye.